Welcome to Leadership Reimagined. I'm Dr. Jane Lovis, your host. During each episode of Leadership Reimagined, we take a look at leadership from the vantage point of what it's going to take for leaders to lead their organizations forward into a new future. And in this episode, we are creating that new future. Today, I'd like to welcome Paul Glover. Paul is the No BS Workforce Development Coach, a recovering trial lawyer, an ex-felon, you're going to have to hear about that, an unabashed Starbucks addict, who isn't, a Chicago's Bears fanatic, the author of Work Quake. He is also an online course creator, a thought leader in business and leadership topics, and a member of the Forbes coaching council. He started working from home 20 years ago before it was the thing to do, where he conducted and listened through voice calls with his clients, where he connected. I knew there was something that he connected and listened. You know, we think we can't do that. We can. He focuses on empathic curiosity as a way to build relationships and connect with his clients. So Paul, welcome to Leadership Reimagined. I'm thrilled to have you here today. Well, Jane, so much. Uh, thank you so much for the invitation and thank your audience for listening. Uh, it's going to be a pleasure, I know. So you you said, I, I well, one of the things is you talk about what make, makes your business unique. And I love just, I love the first one. As the as a leader's fool, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I had uh, to actually go back and read because I thought you meant to say foil, but it's almost kind of the same thing. It, it is, uh, <laughs> and, and for those who don't know their history of the Middle Ages, the uh, the the fool or the gesture sat at the foot of the king, and everyone who doesn't know better believes that he was an entertainer. Uh, but the reality was because the king uh, had been appointed by divine right, if you challenged the king's decision, you committed heresy and were, uh, were going to have your head cut off. However, the people who were excluded from this were those that were seen to be insane. They weren't responsible for what they said or did. So the, the gesture of the fool was a advisor to the king who was seen because of the way he acted and dressed to be insane, but could actually tell the king when he was uh, going to make the wrong decision. Uh, I believe that that's absolutely an essential aspect of being a coach, that you need to, uh, you need to be the fool. And uh, most leaders don't have fools within their organization because they don't provide the psychological safety necessary for them to thrive. Uh, so guess what? They hear only what people want them to hear, which is positive news or news that favors the individual over the uh, organization. So a good coach steps into that scenario. Uh, you have to care enough about the person you're coaching to want to tell them the truth, but then you have to force them into being self-aware, recognizing their blind spots. And once everybody knows what those are, you can go about uh, correcting them. That is so critical because, you know, on one hand, 
leaders get to be where they they are because one they've got really good skills they make things happen what also tends to happen is people don't want to challenge not at all and i'm, I'm sure that you you have the same experience the most pertinent the, the most difficult person to coach is someone who's successful yeah because they're like, well, this first, everyone enters the coaching process with me, believing it's easy. And we're going to have a conversation. I'm going to wave the magic wand, sprinkle some pixie dust on them, and they're going to suddenly be better. And when they realize that it's hard work over a period of time to change, uh, they suddenly get defensive and obviously say, well, you're going to ruin who I am by changing what I do. And one of the things leaders don't realize is that the organizations evolve around them and not necessarily with them. And so if a leader is not willing to accept the fact that the organization is changing, whether he likes it or not, mm -hmm. which is inevitable, and determine how they're going to participate in the change process, they get left behind or their good people leave them. Yes. So yeah, it's uh, it's a it, it's always an interesting. I love coaching. Obviously, I've I've done it now for thirty years, and and uh, I bring a certain a unique skill set, one that I don't recommend to anyone else, by the way, uh, because a part of it is five and a half years in prison. Uh, and when I talk to leaders about setbacks and about adversity, I speak from experience. The ability to cope is something that they've got to develop because I believe that fifty percent of life is adversity, and. You have a tendency to want to hide from it, run away from it. My contention is if you want to miss out on 50% of your life's experience, that's okay. But if you really want to grow and and learn and experience, you got to embrace it. You know, I used to hate the no pain, no gain. It's absolutely true. So you embrace the, the adversity and you make it a part of who you are. Uh, you manage to cope with it. And before you know it, you're better. Well, you know, there's not one of us, as hard as that is to admit, got to where we are without making some mistakes. We don't all know everything about everything. And the sooner we admit it, the easier we life is. <laughs> well, and, and you're spot on with this because leaders believe they have to be like the king infallible. Mm-hmm. Because God forbid, literally, that I show a weakness or admit a mistake. Yeah. Because apparently, I I have that low self-esteem and my people will absolutely desert me if they don't think that I'm an autocrat. Uh, yeah, and, and yet, oh, it's a, yes, that's the blind spot, right? Yep, you yeah. That blind spot. And until somebody points it out to you, you don't see it. Yeah. Definition of a blind spot. Exactly look at yourself how much more likely you are and i'm talking this in you know with all the leaders everyone that's listening to this and a reminder for ourselves too <laughs> is look at the people that you admire they didn't get there by knowing everything and when they admit that think how much more you admire them because then you can be infallible. You can be fallible also. You don't have to be perfect around them. And that's what we see so often is 
that perfect leader wanting to have perfect leaders around them. Well, and what what you get, of course, is and, and, and again, you're spot on with this because the whole point of leadership is to develop people to be better than you. <laughs> That's I mean, if you're afraid of that, I always find it interesting to start talking about succession, succession plans, because one of the things, the fear that causes organizations not to do the right thing is the people who are in positions think this is going to be their replacement not when they're ready to go, but they're going to push them out. And, and you have to have these conversations about if you're doing the right thing and developing the right people, the credit for that team, and it's always about the team, will reflect on you. Instead of having to raise your hand and go, look at me, look at me, what you get to say is, look at my team. Look at how good they are. And the concept, again, of psychological safety is you need to hear the truth as a leader because I guarantee one of my one of my sayings with my with my coaches coaches is you should always be looking for trouble because it's there. They're just hiding. So guess what? If you want to find out what's going on, one of the things I recommend, I love I love being I think that, that as a coach you have to embarrass the person you're coaching occasionally. Because and the way I do it is uh, when I talk to a leader, I say, do you have a third shift? Well, yeah. When was the last time you were on it? During the headlights, right? Crickets. And I go, oh, they're, they're another company. They work for someone else. He said, well, no. Okay. I said, here's what you have to do. Get your lazy ass up at 11 o'clock at night, dress in a pair of jeans, go down to your facility, go in. Don't tell them you're coming. And I said, the first time, walk into the cafeteria, Sit down and wait for break. Do not let the supervisors come in and hang out. You need to be there with the people who are actually doing the work. I said, now the first time this happens, they're going to call the police because they have no idea who you are. I said, the third time you do it is when they start believing you care enough to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. That's when you find out because the third shift is where all the action is, not the good action, but the bad action. And that's the shift that will tell you how the rest of the organization is going. But curiously, first, there is uh, there is uh, deniability by not going there and finding out, right? If I don't know what's going on, then I can't be held liable for the fact it went on, except that that's such a coward's way out of leadership anyway. So, yeah, I have fun with guys in my coaching program. <laughs> Tell people I'm an acquired taste gene. Believe me, 80% of the people who referred to me, we never engaged in other than the first session. The other 20%, we have a hell of a good time. (laughs) You know, well, you you can't please everyone all the time. And it, it takes all kinds. And, you know, I don't want somebody, I don't want to, I mean, we do sometimes we want we want coaches that will just tell us what we want to hear let's let's be honest we we do want oh absolutely and yet you know think of some of those leaders that you've worked with when they really got willing to deal with who they are and what happens to their performance that's when it really that's when we stop talking about what you've done and start talking about what you can do and, and the, the, my, my feelings and, and the concept of my coaching program is about potential. 
because I don't care how good you are. I guarantee you, you can be better. And, and the examples are all around us. Uh, you know, I'm a gym rat and I know that if I have a coach, when I go to lift weights, I lift more. Mm -hmm. And I do it on my own. I get automatically get lazy. Oh, ooh, that hurts. I'm not going to do that. So, so the reality is we need someone who's going to help us realize that we have a potential we haven't tapped into yet and then help us do that. But, but this is hard work. Uh, yeah. Coaching is hard work. And I think that it's so interesting because everybody believes they know how to coach. Yeah. Right? And anybody who, any CEO gets laid off decides he's going to coach someone. I'm like, oh my God, you're screwing them. Uh, but, but yeah, it is, it is a difficult job. And again, we have so many roles. I know you do. You, you have to be a truth teller. Yeah. Right? But you also have to, have to not let someone go down the third time. Once you realize they don't know what they don't know, you can't keep waiting. It's not like a psychiatrist coach. Our couch where you get to lay there and you keep saying, well, tell me what you would do. At some point, they're like, help me. Yeah. <laughs> help me. Uh, and yeah, so so you there's all sorts of fine lines and boundaries about relationships. But it's what makes coaching interesting to me is that that obviously it's about human beings. Absolutely. As coaches, we get to really see some of those big changes because it's you know, when, when you're coaching somebody and they're just, they're resisting and they're, and they're resisting and then they see it because they could, they really couldn't see it before. Mm -hmm. You're right. Revelation is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Revelation, revelation is, is, is an opening up to something that is so spectacular and different that it actually is transformational. Yep. It's interesting to see someone who was a, a bad leader suddenly realized that he could be a good leader or she could. And these are the steps you take to get there. And once they start seeing the, the return on the investment of time and energy, they have a tendency to become more authentic. They, they suddenly are vulnerable and which makes them human beings. And once again, the concept is they believe that if they are human beings, the people will not follow them, will not respect them. The, the difference is, especially with today, uh, you know, command and control leadership. I've, I'm actually doing an article for Forbes that hopefully the pandemic is like the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. Yeah. They kill off command and control once and for all because people are mad as hell and they're not going to take it anymore. Uh, but, but once you realize that that style of leadership doesn't work and you're willing to put the effort into the change, it's spectacular. It's spectacular. It truly is. That, that's what gives I know it's the same thing with you. I know it, as I can tell by the way our interaction is. I, people say, well, I, coaching must be exhausting. No, it's not. Why? Because if it's done right, there is an exchange of energy between the two people who are participating in achieving a common goal. And I, I find it to be energizing. And that's when you know it's working. Yeah. That's when you know it's working. Yeah. I was on a call this morning before before this with with somebody, you know, was dealing with something with with some of the people that that she works with. And it's that same thing. You know, you get done and they've had a breakthrough and they see new possibilities. Yeah. They yes. see new actions they can take. They can see new behaviors they, they have. Now, the challenge is. As you know, 
to keep reinforcing that because just because you do something once does not you've got all these old behaviors absolutely that that you have you know unless you're a 10 year old uh leader you've been practicing some of those behaviors for decades probably absolutely. and yes. so they don't change overnight no it's a it's a rubber band mm -hmm. it, but if you let it go it comes back to <laughs> so you, you you as a coach are required to keep the stretch on until they've moved to a different place and you, that means sometimes you've got to hang obviously i do 12-month coaching programs because i've found out that i cannot do that with them unless i've got enough time to do that with them you know everybody wants the well I, three sessions should do it shouldn't it <laughs> yeah. uh yeah let me tell you we'll hardly know each other's name in three sessions so so let, let's get serious about this or don't do it right Right. Yeah, if, you're if not you could do it commit, in three sessions, you would have done. You would. You could do it yourself. Exactly. That's exactly right. Just you know, read a book on emotional intelligence. Become self-aware. I yeah. mean, it can't be that hard. <laughs> so. And and I, you know, I going back to your comment for for leaders to really pay attention is that people are mad. You know, they people have been feeling abused. We look at the turnover. We look at the people that are disengaged, even if they're still at work, they're doing just enough to get by. Mm -hmm. That really, it's so sad. Oh, it's pathetic. Because people want, you know, you give somebody something to do that they want to do. They go off and they, they just, they accomplish it. They do they can bring that same energy to work. Absolutely, they can. And think about what you just said, trip to trigger. Gallup has been doing employee engagement surveys for 40 years. And the numbers within a few percentages, and it's not that we don't know by now what it takes. We yes, just yeah. aren't willing to do it because we don't think we have to engage the time and energy and resources to do it the right way. Well, now people are, like I said, they're mad as hell and they're not going to take it anymore. I have, I have faith in the fact that perhaps the industrial age mindset and command and control is truly going to die off just because people are not going to try control uh, allow it uh but it took this it took a pandemic i mean my god it is and, and let me throw something else out there because i find it so interesting they also there also is a survey that's done called the state of management it's done annually and i started thinking you know we keep talking about employees and employee engagement i wonder what a management engagement is like especially frontline Unfortunately, the level of disengagement is identical for the people who are supposed to be in charge as it is for the employees. Well, oh my God, if the guy who's the team leader or the leader is not engaged, how do you think anybody else will be? And we take we take people who are great individual performers, we, we say, guess what? You're the team leader now. We don't give them any training. We don't give them any resources. We just say, make it happen. Yeah. And then we walk away from them. And of course, they, they absolutely fail. 85% of all people who are promoted into management positions fail. That's because they get no support. 
Uh, they're not given any, it's just crazy to me. I, it is such a terrible system. And yet it took the pandemic before anyone's even willing to consider that things need to be changed. And what I find so aggravating is everybody thinks people are leaving because of the money. Well, yeah. of course it matters. I'm not an idiot. Compensation matters. Absolutely. If you're not paying market minimum, shame on you. Of course, people are going to leave. But I still believe it's the old adage about 50% plus leave because of their boss. It's a toxic culture that forces people now given an opportunity to get the hell out. Yep. So recognize that if you think that the only reason they're leaving you is the money, once again, you are so out of touch. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, it's a it's an interesting time. We the Chinese blessing and curse. May you live an interesting yes, time. Yes, I, I, we I, are. Yes, <laughs> so. we we surely are. And the great thing is, though, on you know, is we've got we've really got some possibilities, <laughs> and we actually have tools that work. You know, they've. There's now um, ways to, like you say, we, we know how to deal with somebody's blind spots. We know it doesn't take, it's not one time. We know it takes time to do this. And we've also seen that the rewards are beyond that time. Absolutely. So we yeah. have these possibilities. And that's, that's what keeps me going is that, the changes that I see, the well, possibilities. We know that, and by the way, I, everybody knows the right words. Stakeholder, stakeholder capitalism, yeah. right? Everybody knows what it means. And by the way, uh, the, I don't know what the name of the group was, but they did this whole thing prior to the pandemic and they had a, they had a statement about it. Of course, the pandemic hits and guess what they did? They just ran away from that. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're, it's leaders who are causing the issues that are impacting their, uh, their organization. Yeah. Leaders who know what they should do, but won't do it. Uh, I, you know, and, and I, I know that I oversimplify with people just because I, that's how I see things. Uh, I truly believe that if you're not able to engage your people, you're doing it wrong. It's not, it's not that you can't do it, but you're doing it wrong. Uh, with my, with my coaching, I talk about the three A's. The, 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 the first is attraction. It has nothing to do with how you look, by the way, but it's the positive energy that you put out to the universe, to your people, so that they want to be with you. They want to work for you and with you. And the second one is attention. If you're not paying attention to people, don't believe they're paying attention to what you want. That's not the way it works. And the last one is appreciation. We'll say thank you to someone in a restaurant who passes us the salt. But at the end of a 40 hour week that's been during a pandemic with all of the pressure, you know what people say? I'll see you next week. That's like an invitation back to hell. Yeah. Right? It's been a miserable week. And if you want me to come, how about if you say end the week by saying, I appreciate the fact you're here and doing what you're doing. Send them home with a smile. They'll come back on Monday with a smile. Yeah. Three things, three A's, so simple, require a lot of work, but people won't do it. They won't put the time into it. They don't believe it's necessary. I'm going to continue to tell you what to do, and you're going to do it without complaint, without, yeah. opinion, without input. Yeah, no more. <laughs> yeah, I know. Job's not worth it, no.
And, and that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. Yep. I give people credit. I really do. I think that, that it has been an awakening that took a pandemic to wake them up. You know, wages didn't have an increase for the last 40 years. Standard of living has gone down. Uh, companies are making more money than ever. And the people who are generating that revenue, I always tell the, the, uh, the CFO, every time you look at a spreadsheet with a number on it, behind that number is a face. Yeah. And you be worrying about that face that creates that number or you're not going to have that number and yet we often forget that we often forget who produces the numbers and that's and and that's such a big one on that attention a mm -hmm. absolutely because and and going back to that what i said earlier about you know look at the things people create on their own time the activities that they do, you know, you give them something, they they find something that sparks them. Even if they're not getting paid, they they put time and energy into it. Absolutely. It's crazy how we, we we don't we don't see the people that work for us as leaders. What yep. we see is that that professional veneer of the workplace. That has nothing to do with who that person really is. And until we get beyond that, I, I, my contention now is there's three levels of engagement. The first one is intimacy. You want to probably avoid that, by the way. <laughs> it's a little too close. The, the, the third one is professionalism. That's how we've operated in the past. But the, the sweet spot now is personal. Yeah. Not professional, not intimate, but personal. If you can't get personal with your people, understand them and their life, their family. Uh, it, it, it is holistic, it has to be. The, the person does not leave their, their feelings about it when they come to work, they bring them with them. And if you're not capable of understanding that and working with them to have a better life overall, no, I'm sorry, you're, uh, you're, the, the dustbin of history has plenty of room. You, yeah. You are you are becoming a dinosaur in absolutely you are and, and by the way is this a huge mindset absolutely it is no one expects it to happen overnight but you've at least got to understand that it has to happen yeah not willing to do that good luck yeah you you are not going to retain your employees or your success you're right you know. I and I contend that there is more to success than just the dollars, the revenue that you generate. Well, and if you don't, if you as a leader are not able to express the purpose of this whole thing, mm -hmm. if you to say it's to make money, that's what you end up with. People without a soul who are, who will finally either steal it or destroy it because if you don't have a soul, you have no reason to support it and grow it. Right. Suck it dry. Once you've established purpose and that, you know, Simon Sinek, why? Such a simple question. And yet, if you're listening closely, you hear a different answer. You can't just ask it once and stop. People don't believe like I tell the people who the CEOs or the CFOs who go on that third shift, don't expect them to do anything on the first shift except look at you in shock silence. The second one, they're like, oh, you're really going to come back periodically? That's weird. The third time you show up is when they believe you've committed to them. 
That's when the dialogue starts. Yeah. Way I, I say that empathetic curiosity. If you aren't curious about every person who works with you and for you, shame on you. That's why they're disengaged. You don't care about them. You don't even know a, a good question to ask them. You know, it's it's just amazing to me that if you are empathetic and you're curious, the questions come to you because you really do want to know about this person. Right. Yeah. And think of the time that you did uh, went above and beyond what you needed to do because somebody cared about you. Discretionary effort cannot be bought. Yep. Nope. It's given freely. Mm -hmm. right? You can pay someone for hours, but once it gets to discretionary, and by the way, that's that's where the success for an organization comes in, isn't it? Yes. Percent of the workforce that is giving you discretionary effort, or let's get even better, they they are committed, committed to the purpose. That's when you start to see an organization flourish. Yep. So far, only 20% of your organization is doing that. First, you have 21% that is actively disengaged. That means that they'll, they would destroy your organization given an op opportunity. But let's look at this group in the center, this, this 60%, 50%. Oh my God, if you can get them engaged. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Potential is for this. Oh God. Well, Paul, we're gonna, we're gonna conclude on that possibility of engaging that middle what is that 60 percent that's a lot of an organization absolutely so, I, you you pay them to show up and put in the hours you don't pay them for any output you're nuts yeah so what would you like to what last thought would you like to share our listener with our listeners well you know I believe that every day you should try to make someone else's life better, wherever that takes you. And obviously in the workplace, there's ample opportunity that if first you know what they need to make their life better. But I think that it, it, it is a part of who we are as leaders, people who care to say, today I am going to consciously seek out an opportunity to make a person's life better. Uh, if you can do that every day, if you can, if you can be that type of giver, uh, I, I absolutely believe that that's essential. I also, I'll throw in one more. I start my day off with gratitudes, uh, and and I have so much to be grateful for. And maybe you'll have me back, and we'll talk about prison because yeah. we get to that, and I'd be more than happy because prison is life lessons writ large. Oh, I, I can only imagine. I, <laughs> so, but, but, but I, I am so grateful for my life. And I believe that every person that gets up needs to first show gratitude for what they have. That's the way you start your day. That's a positive mindset. And then you look for that second opportunity to make someone else's life better. Believe me, it, it is a, it's a game changer. That's when magic happens. Yeah, it is. Yeah. it is. Well, Paul, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you, Gene. It's been a pleasure and I knew it would be. Ah, thank you, yes. Thank you for joining us this week on Leadership Reimagined. I encourage you to take something that you heard today and apply it in your business. The key to progress is action and sharing. I'd love to hear what you accomplish. 
email me at jlovis at lovisconsulting.com and let me know. Speaking of applying it in your business, if you're struggling or looking to expand your leadership skills, let's talk. You can go to lovisconsulting.com. That's L-O-V as in Victor, A-S, consulting.com and schedule a quick call with me. We need powerful, strong, compassionate leaders to solve the challenges we are facing today. Please subscribe on your favorite platform and share with your friends and family. Thank you for supporting us as we cause and expand 1 million women leaders in tech by 2030. Have a great week. And I look forward to seeing you next week.